with you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the day that the Lord has made. We're rejoicing and we are exceedingly glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together for God is great and he is so greatly to be praised. We invite you this morning to share uh, this worship service, this live stream with your neighbor and your friends, your family, all those who are gathered uh, and all those you know, push that share button and let them know that you're watching K-Chapel Live and that you're inviting them to worship the Lord with you. Not just watch, but worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. For God is a great God, awesome God, marvelous God. And we come this morning in our collective, in our various spaces, in a collective spirit to give God glory, to give God worship, and to give God praise. So go ahead and share this right now as we go to God in prayer. Eternal God, our Father, how grateful how thankful we are for this day that you've granted unto us another day. You didn't have to do it, but you did, and for that we are thankful. God, you're so awesome. God, you're so mighty. And Father, we can't say thank you enough for the good, yes, for the struggle, for the sun and for the storms, for all that you give and all that you grant, we've learned in whatsoever state to be content and say thank you. God, right now we ask and invite you and your presence to feel this sacred space and the spaces that we occupy all over this country all over this world. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us. And in everything that we've been through over the last couple of years, that you have never forsaken us. Yes, sir. God, we, th we thank you for that. You've proven yourself to be the faithful God. You've walked by our sides. You've held our hands. You've fortified our footsteps. And God, we glorify you now. God, in the secret places of our hearts, we ask that you come now and minister to us in the way that only you can. Be the lifter of our heads, the consoler of our hearts, the one who dries our tears and the one who lifts our heads. We ask it in the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus, believing that you're doing something wonderful, yes, sir. awesome, Thank you, Lord. and mighty in us right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. God bless you. God bless you is our prayer. Listen, why don't you put your hands together where you are as we worship the Lord with our virtual voices and this live band? Because I do believe and declare that God is doing something wonderful in us right now.
something wonderful in me. God is doing something wonderful in me. Something awesome and incredible that only He will get the glory. God is doing something wonderful, incredible and awesome. God is doing something wonderful in me.
and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold, my life. To whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. May the Lord have a blessing on the reading of his word. May we pray. Father, we come thanking you for this day, for this opportunity to come together and give you praise, to worship you for who you are, Father. We pray, Father, for those who are sick, that they would find this service healing. For those, Father, who are lost, that this service, Father, can be a beacon to them. Father, we ask that we give you our best praise this morning. Yes. Because you are worthy to be praised. You're worthy. Father, where there's conflict all around this world, we pray that your will will be done. We believe it, Father. Because, Father, no matter what's going on, we know you are still in charge. We still believe you. Our faith is still strong in you, Father. Yes. And there's nothing that can change that. Because you are the omnipotent God. You are the God of gods, Father. And there beside you, there is no other. That is the faith that we praise you with this morning, Father. That is the faith, Father, that we believe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Let the church say amen. Let's say amen again. Amen. Amen. Deacon, you, you kept saying in your prayer, praise him kept saying in your prayer, praise him. And the psalmist declares, we ought to do just that. Praise him according to his mighty acts. Praise him for his excellent greatness. Praise him with everything in your heart you ought to praise him. Jesus. Jesus. Blessed Savior. Blessed Savior. He's worthy to be hands together. Praise him, y'all. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Jesus.
bless his name. Praise him. Praise him on the psaltery and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him on the high-sounding cymbal. Praise him on the crashing cymbal. Praise him with the stringed instruments. Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. Amen. Amen. And amen. God is a good God. We bless his name on this morning. Listen, we want to invite you to be in prayer for members who are experiencing bereavement and those who are also uh, in hospitals and some are recovering at home. We ask that you lift up uh, Deaconess Shirley Owens. We understand that she lost her aunt, Sister Pearlene Rucker, uh, this week. And services for Sister Rucker uh, will be held on tomorrow, February 28th, at the chapel in, at uh, Jackson Memorial Funeral Home. So do keep Sister Shirley Owens in your prayers at the loss of her aunt. Also, we have several members who are recovering at home. Sister Robbie Singleton, uh, who will be going home today from rehab. Uh, keep her in your prayers. Certainly, we know that she's she's gone through a lot uh, over the last few months, but God is a healer. Amen. So we thank God for that. We ask also that you keep Sister Sean Clark, Sister Robbie Edwards, Sister Rochelle Bingham, and Sister Jacqueline Moore in your prayers as all of them continue to recover at home. These are those who uh, we are made aware of, and certainly there are many more that may be a part of our congregation. Whoever the Lord puts on your heart and is on your mind right now, you remember to lift them up in your prayers. Pray for them. Pray one for another. Uh, for we know that we have a ministry of one another that God has given to us here at K Chapel. And we lift all of our brothers and our sisters up in their time of need. We ask that you now prepare your gifts and your offerings. If you have not had, already had opportunity to give, you can do so by texting to the number that's on your screen or by way of the Cade Chapel app. As always, you can drop your offering off at the office. Whatever you do and however you do it, we ask you to do two things. Give so liberally and give so cheerfully. For the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And I, 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 listen, I know this. Praising God is a beautiful thing. Yes, sir. Giving unto God is a beautiful thing. And it is a beautiful thing that when we can worship and praise the Lord, our God of our salvation, who gives every good and perfect gift unto us. His love is beautiful and our praise is beautiful also. Let's do it right now.
Father, we thank you for these gifts. For you made them possible. And we're just returning back to you, Father, a portion of what you have given us. We pray now, Father, that the gifts we receive will be beneficial to others also. We don't claim it all for ourselves, Father. But, Father, let it go out and do your work. Let it go out, Father, and strengthen someone who's weak and build someone up where they're torn down. But, Father, we thank you for the privilege of giving. And we ask that it would bless this church, this community, this world. These prayers we thank you for in your son Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your faithfulness uh, in your giving and your worship through your giving. God has certainly smiled on us through these challenging times and you have made it possible for us to continue to be uh, light in a dark world through your committed uh, gifts and we encourage you to continue to do that. I have received word uh, that Mother Curry is uh, in the hospital uh, right now uh, and she is soliciting our prayers uh, in the Baptist hospital so certainly uh, be in prayer for Mother Curry. Mother Curry if you're watching we're certainly praying for you and praying with you, God, is a very present help uh, in our time of trouble. So do lift her up. I understand that they are soliciting the prayers of the church. Amen. Amen. So lift Mother Curry up. All of uh, those uh, who we know and you may know again, uh, one thing I know, we don't get all of the names. And so if you are aware of those who are in need of prayer and those who are uh, in hospitals and other situations, Make that known to us so that we can make the body of Christ aware that we might lift our brothers and our sisters up in prayer because the prayers of the righteous still avail much. Amen. Amen. God bless you and God keep you as our prayer. We're going to get one more selection uh, and then we will get the word of God. Somebody's calling my name. Oh. 
us that there are those who desire to keep such blessed and precious gifts away from us. It is in the reality of that struggle that many have declared the words of David the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear the Lord is the strength of my life of whom shall I be afraid when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat 
of my flesh they stumbled and failed. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This morning I want to preach from the subject one thing. One thing. One thing. The world is a vast conglomeration of communities, experiences, opportunities, and realities. This is a vast collection of a lot of different things. And we are accustomed to having Options when it comes to how we live and experience life. Without options, life can be a bit boring. It can become a bit cookie cutter, perhaps a bit bland. I mean, think about it. If everybody wore just one thing, the same thing, the same color, the same style, the same material made by the same company, that might be too boring of an existence. Well, Brother Sims, if, if everybody drove the same car, the same color, the same style, the same model, just one thing made by the same company, or, or, or if everybody lived in the same kind of house, one floor plan, one architectural style, one exterior color, one roof color, one blueprint that every contractor had to follow to the T. Having choices that allow us to express ourselves and explore our interests and experience our world is something that makes life interesting. So when we hear this idea of one thing, we might kind of push back on that a bit because our world is a vast world of different colors and different kinds that message to us the more options in life, the better. But as we end these 28 days of prayer and fasting, I pray that one of the things that has been impressed upon us is the idea of simplicity. The message of life being a little less complicated by minimizing, watch this, the things. By paring down 
decluttering our closets and removing the excess and getting rid of the unnecessary things that oftentimes contribute to our surroundings being unorganized and our lives being unstructured by reimagining our time and how we spend it. Reimagining our mornings and how we start them. Reimagining our commitments and what we say yes to and what we must say no to. Reimagining our diets and what our bodies really need and how we have become accustomed to putting into them out of convenience sake and out of, con out of time sake things that are not necessarily best for us. If we did the last 27 days correctly, they should have helped to bring more clarity to what's more important. If you did it right, on this 27th day, you ought to be able to see more clearly one thing. Should have helped you to develop more a singleness of vision such that the extra things and the non-essential things become less of a priority for us and we might live a more focused life on one thing. Jesus, Jesus, in fact, leans into this idea of oneness when he says in Matthew 6 and 22, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. If thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. In other words, if you have single vision, not double vision, if you have single vision, thy whole light shall be full of light. If you have one thing that you see, one thing that you seek after, if you have one purpose that calls you, one hope that motivates you, one goal that drives you, one reason that draws you, and one voice that moves you, then your life will be full of light, but you've got to have one thing. Another way of saying that is you cannot be distracted by divided loyalties. That's one of the things that keep believers and the body of Christ from being all that God has called us to be. When we have divided loyalties, when we have this pulling at us and this pulling at us and they are perhaps even pulling in opposite directions that causes and creates for us divided loyalties and double vision because we are seeking after more things than we ought. And so David in this psalm gives us a picture of singleness and oneness when he writes in verse 4, One thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing, one thing, 
one thing. Now, now you have to remember that when David writes this psalm, it is a critical time in his life. It is believed that this psalm is birthed during the season when Saul is seeking to kill David. You remember King Saul had become jealous and jaded because of David's rising popularity within Israel. This unknown shepherd boy whose military exploits were becoming the talk of the town and that took their toll on the ego of, <clears throat> of insecure Saul. <clears throat> As such, Saul sought to kill David in order to protect his throne. And so Saul gathers some of his highest ranking officials in the army in order to find and destroy David. It is in the context then of David running for his life in this deadly game of hide and seek that David pins the psalm, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat of my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war shall rise against me, in this will I be confident. <laughs> David is on the run for his life. And yet he expresses complete confidence in the protective care of the almighty God. Confident in the Lord's covering. Confident in the Lord's keeping. Confident in the Lord's care and compassion for him. And he therefore concludes, I don't have anyone and I don't have anything to fear. Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? What a testimony that in the midst of the mayhem of life, David says, I am not afraid. Though I have a target on my back, I'm not afraid. Though I am a wanted man, I'm not afraid. Though there is a bounty on my head, I am not afraid. And although there's nothing I can do to make any of this stop, I'm still not afraid. Because the Lord is my light and my salvation. I don't know, I don't know about you, but that's the kind of confidence that I want in my life. That's the kind of fearlessness that I need and want and aspire to have in my life. That's the kind of consistent courage that I want to exude and experience in my life. That when things are happening in life that I cannot control and they just keep on coming, I want to be able to declare as did David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. When the bottom falls out, the Lord is my light 
and my salvation. When problems press in on every side, the Lord is my light and my salvation. When the enemy comes in like a flood, which means that like Saul, it just won't stop and it just keeps rising and rising and nothing can stop it. I can declare the Lord is my light and my salvation. When the storms of life are raging, when mountains won't move, when giants won't fall, when sickness won't surrender and suffering won't cease, the Lord is my light and my salvation. When pain won't pause and hurt won't halt, the Lord is my light and my salvation. David is courageously confident in the protective care of the Almighty God. After he expresses his complete confidence, he then explains the how and the why as to its possibility. In verse 4. How are you so confident David? Saul is after you. Ready to kill you. He has men following you. And tracking your every move. How are you so confident? And how can you courageously declare. I will not fear. One thing. Because of one thing that I desired of the Lord. And that is the one thing that I will seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And because my heart pursues this one thing, I will not fear. Lord is my light and my salvation. I am not afraid because I desired of the Lord one thing. Now knowing all that's going on in David's life at this time, one might question, David, are you really being honest here? Are you really being authentic in what you're saying? I mean, Saul is out to kill you and all you desire is one thing. You're a fugitive on the run for your life just because of one man's bruised ego and his insecurity and all you want is one thing. You've got to sleep with one eye open because you don't know when Saul might attack you and all you desire is one thing. Maybe. 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 Maybe one thing would make sense if the one thing that you want is for Saul to stop chasing you. That I understand. If the one thing that you desire is to block the attack of Saul and to turn Saul's sword against himself, if that's the one thing, I can understand that. Or if the one thing that you desire was to change Saul's heart and to change Saul's mind and to make him a friend rather than an enemy, I can understand if that's the one thing. But none of those things is David's top priority. David doesn't ask the Lord, to take Saul's strength from him. 
He doesn't ask the Lord to change Saul's mind. He doesn't ask the Lord to dismantle Saul's army. He doesn't ask the Lord to create some kind of situation for Saul that would cause him to have to shift his attention. David's one thing doesn't even involve Saul. David says, my one desire, my one thing, my one hope, my one goal, my one vision is to dwell in in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And right here, we discover the secret to David's contentment and confidence. And I, I don't believe that David is being disingenuous when he declares that this is his one thing. For let's, let us be clear. That in this world that presents to us many choices and offers and ideas, we certainly will have various desires of our heart. It is the same David who later pins in Psalm 37, delight thyself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so it is no secret that the human heart has multiple desires. Yes, we want a lot of things out of life. We want safety and security for our families. We want nice and accommodating homes. We want cute clothes. We want good paying jobs. We want solid educations and opportunities. We want vibrant communities. We want thriving relationships. We want the means to have the material things that make for a comfortable life. There's plenty of things that we want in life and that our heart desires. I don't believe that there's anything wrong with having these desires. The issue is making sure that on the list of the multiple things that you desire, that there is one thing that supersedes them all. One thing that matters above them all. One thing that precedes them all. One thing that outranks them all. One thing to which all of the other things that we desire must submit. David says, in my life, there's one thing in my life that ultimately shapes my choices, one thing that ultimately gives me peace, one thing that helps me keep the happenings of life in proper perspective, and that's the thing that I desire most and seek after, to dwell in the house of the Lord, to behold his beauty, and to inquire in his temple. It is from those things that we begin to understand what is then the believer's top priority in life. We see in this psalm what should be our one thing. And as we go through the rest of 2022, my prayer is that we would do so with a single vision for one thing, to dwell in the house of the Lord, to behold his beauty, to inquire in his temple. What, what, what does all of that mean? It means, first of all, that as believers, one thing above all other things should be the believer's love for the Lord. One thing above all other things should be the believer's love for God. The word of God makes clear that we must love God above everything and anyone. 
when asked what was the greatest commandment, Jesus responded, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Jesus takes this message from Exodus 30 when God speaks his law to Moses saying, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. As believers, our highest priority of love must then be directed to the Lord. And I know, I know, I know we got love for a whole lot of things, love for a whole lot of people. We love our families. You love your children. You love your spouse. You love your parents. You love your friend. But above all others must be your love for the Lord. Keep it in perspective. Keep it in proper priority. And when you put anything or anyone else before your love for God, you have made that thing or that person your God. I must love God above all else. Now watch this. Because loving God is not an abstract thought. Loving God is not some ethereal notion void of tangible action, but loving God necessarily requires you to love your neighbor. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Don't, 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 just, don't just say, okay, let me get this right. This one thing I got to do is love God and forget about my neighbor. No, loving God means I have to love. My neighbor. I cannot love God and hate my neighbor. I cannot love God and not express love for my family. I cannot love God and ignore the needs of my brother. I cannot love God and overlook the conditions of my community. I cannot love God and drive by the beggar. I cannot love God and do nothing for the desperate. I cannot love God without helping the hungry. I cannot love God and close my heart to my loved one. I cannot love God and forever hold a grudge. I cannot love God and keep walls built up between people whom God has put into my life. I cannot love God and live a loveless reality with people around me for the apostle John says in 1 John 40 and 20, if a man say I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he does not see? And I know some of you are saying right now, because I hear you, I hear you in your minds. I know you're not in the sanctuary, you're not saying anything, but you're saying it in your minds. Oh, oh, I don't hate my brother. I, I don't hate my sister. Because who wants to admit that they hate anyone? So rather than arguing the fact or the point of do you hate someone, let me ask you this. How have you proved that you love them? You missed it. In, instead, of, instead of focusing on, instead of trying to make yourself feel good about the fact that you don't hate that person, my question is, how have you demonstrated that you love them? 
how do they know that you love them? What have you done lately that makes it unequivocally clear to that person with whom there is some tension? You know, you already know who I'm talking about. That person in your life, that person in your family, where there have been walls built up. Okay, you don't hate them. But do you love them? And if you say you don't hate them, great. How have you shown that you love them? Number two, one thing before all other things should be the believer's desire for his or her life to please and be pleasing to God. To please and to be pleasing to God. Apostle Paul writes in Romans 12 and 1, Dear friends, I beseech you, or God is good, so I beg you to offer your bodies to him as living sacrifices, pure and pleasing. That is the most sensible way for you to serve God. That's how it reads in the contemporary English version. As a follower of Jesus Christ, as a child of God, your desire should be that your life and your living is pleasing to the Lord. You should want for God to say of you, this is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. And for God to say that, that means that your choices have to be pleasing to God. For him to say that, that means that your behavior has to be pleasing to God. Your actions must be pleasing to God. Your attitude must be pleasing to God. Your language must be pleasing to God. Your thought life must be pleasing to God. Your motives must be pleasing to God. Your intentions must be pleasing to God. And in essence, you've got to ask yourself the question. Are you an aroma or are you an odor in the nostrils of God? Because he smells both. Are you a pleasing aroma or are you an offensive odor? Do you cause God pleasure or displeasure? Can he inhale you deeply? Or does he have to crack a window? One thing before all things should be your desire to be pleasing to God. Are your relationships pleasing to God? Is your giving pleasing to God? Is your worship pleasing to God? Is your heart for hearing the word and for experiencing the worship service pleasing to God? And as you consider the physical gathering of the church and your re-engagement with this local body, is that pleasing to God? Because this is finally where David brings us 
to the point of recognizing the privilege and the power of dwelling in God's house. One thing that I desire, David says, watch this, is to dwell in the house of the Lord. For in the house, David says, I behold his beauty. In the house of God, the church of Christ, it is indeed a beautiful place of sacred assembly. And together, when we come, we experience the beauty of the Lord through the beauty of his people. Listen, we see the image of God in the faces of his people. We feel the presence of God through the touch of his people. There is a great blessing and a blessed privilege in the sacred assembly of the saints of God. The blessing of corporate worship, the blessing of communal prayer, the blessing of a common faith expressed in one place and experienced on one accord. If I could say that another way, simply put, is this. There is good in gathering here. There is good in being among the people of God. There is good in the hearts of collective, of our hearts being collectively joined together. There is good in bringing our hurts and our hopes to the altar. There is good in gathering and dwelling in the house of the Lord. And as we move to that regular gathering time, I pray that God moves upon your heart. the good of sacred assembly and gathering together. One thing that I desire, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. And David doesn't leave without sharing with us some of that good when he says, the good that I get from gathering in the Lord's house is I see God's beauty, but I also inquire at his temple. That's the last thing I get. One thing above all other things should be the believer's hope to live a God-centered life. David says, when I dwell in his house, I have the blessed privilege of inquiring in his temple. In other words, David says, in this place is where I get direction from God. This is the place where I hear the voice of the Lord. This is the place where I'm grounded in my faith to live a God-centered life. It is in the asking of questions and in the exchange of testimonies that the people of God hear the voice of God. When we gather and we can watch this, ask each other questions. When we gather and we can watch this, exchange our testimonies. When we gather and we can look each other in the face and declare, the Lord will make a way for you. We then hear God's voice 
inquiring in his temple means that David recognized that he did not have all of the answers within him that he needed for life. He didn't know which way to turn sometimes. He didn't understand why things happened the way they did. It didn't make sense to him why Saul was out to kill him when all he had attempted to do was serve Saul. He didn't understand how it was that a man old enough to be his father was so insecure in himself that he could not govern without looking over his shoulder to see what a shepherd boy was doing. He could not understand how it was that somebody that he actually looked up to could become his biggest enemy. And it was in the house of God that he inquired of the Lord. He talked to God. In other words, this is the place where we can have a little talk with Jesus where we can tell him all about our troubles. This is the place where we can put it all on the altar. This is the place where we can submit our questions and surrender our wills to God's answer in order that we might live God-centered lives. And when we do that, we can leave this place declaring the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? How can you declare such boldness and such courage? Because of one thing. One thing that I've desired. And that have I sought after. That I would dwell house of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you his peace. Silver and gold Silver and gold I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold No fame or fortune No riches untold I'd rather have Jesus Than silver and gold Silver and gold Silver and gold Oh, that's all. My life he can hold. I'd rather, I'd 
that right now by making, watch this, one choice. <laughs> one choice and by praying one prayer. If you're ready to make Jesus your choice this morning, why don't you pray this prayer with me right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, I open my heart to you and I ask you right now to be my Lord and to be my Savior. I've tried to do life, doing it many different ways, but right now, I'm going after one thing. I'm pursuing you, God, through Jesus, your son. I believe Jesus died on a cross. I believe Jesus rose again from the dead. And I believe Jesus is saving me right now. And so by faith, I accept the gift of salvation in Jesus' name. 
amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer, beloved, Jesus is doing something for you right now that silver can't do, that gold can't do, that money can't do. And that is make sure that you have the gift of eternal life. Silver and gold will fade away. Moth and rust will destroy the things of this world. But eternal life is given and never taken away through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you prayed that prayer, we celebrate salvation with you right now. And we encourage you to do one more thing. And that is called the number that's on your screen right now. Somebody is waiting to pray with you, speak with you, and give you further steps that you might live out your new life in Jesus Christ. If you've already accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you don't have a church home, we still want you to call that number that's on your screen because we want to be that church home for you. Do it now. Somebody's waiting to talk with you. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb of God. Amen. I'd rather have Jesus, y'all. I'd rather have Jesus, y'all than silver or gold. Hallelujah. My God, my God, my God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Here's our prayer. Amen. Keep praying. Keep believing. I believe we are turning the corner on COVID. Amen. I believe that we will soon be gathering together uh, on more regular basis. Uh, and uh, we're talking and having conversations now with leadership about doing just that. And when we make uh, the announcements in the days to come, as we get everything settled and secured, uh, all I want you to do, beloved, uh, is to show up. Amen. Amen. All I want you to do is to show up and believe that God has brought us this far and he won't leave us now because we've come this far, Pat by faith. Amen. Amen. We've come this far by faith. Yeah, yeah. We've got to give this communion, but I just feel that in my spirit. Amen. Leaning on the Lord. Trusting in his holy word. He's never failed me yet. Hallelujah. My God, my God. He's never failed. We sing it together. We've come. We've come this far by faith. Leaning on. Leaning on the Lord. Trusting in. Trusting in His holy word. He's never failed. He never
took bread, break it and blessed it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Likewise, he took the cup and blessed it, saying, this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the remission of sin. As often as we do this, we do show forth his death and suffering till he comes again. Let us drink together. When they had finished, they sung a hymn and went out into the Mount of Olives. I don't know what they're singing, but we've come this far by faith. So sounds good. We've come this Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Oh.